Hey friends, welcome to the Strangers in Common podcast. I hope this finds you well, and if you're not well, well that's okay. I'm here for you. So today we're going to continue talking to Elisa. She was telling us previously about growing up and the difficulties with substance abuse and her aspirations to be a singer and all of that. And it hinted at a relationship that she had that was probably the hardest time in her life that was pretty recently. So we will let her continue from that point. Okay, so <laughs> so we're going to circle back to... Um, actually, there's one that I want to talk about before Vicky. That's fine. Which is also really kind of a circus-y kind of freak show. It's your time. So, um, so uh, in 2018... When when was, well during the when Trump got elected, okay, that year, that day actually, I get a message on Facebook and it's from this woman that I don't know, um, and she lives in Colorado Springs and she's hits me up about politics, you know, and at the time I was kind of just diving deep in it and I really was, you know, intertwined right. in it. I was all about it. A lot of people were. <laughs> and yeah, and fortunately I've grown out of that phase, God, but. <laughs> Um, so I remember she hits me up and I'm like, my God, she knows a lot of things about me, you know? Right. Turns out she had been kind of following me for about a year, uh, on social media. And it was, I mean, I was so <laughs> reckless on social media, right. if you can remember, like everything about my life or any thought I had in my head went directly to social media. Yeah. You know, and I stirred the pot. <laughs> yeah, I like to stir the pot. So we decide we're going to meet, and I drive down to Manitou Springs to meet her, and everything is great, right? I love her personality. She's funny. She's this, she's that. And I don't know if you guys have heard of uh, the Netflix series Dirty John. But if not, you should watch it because it's exactly how my life went with her. <laughs> and she ends up being um, a complete con artist. Like, not I'm not using the word in jest or making light of it. I'm saying that in the most direct clinical way I can possibly say. Like, it belongs on a Lifetime movie. As a matter of fact, it probably would never air because right. it was so weird. Like, she claimed to have relationship with her daughters, which she did have two daughters, um, she would get on the phone and act like they were talking to her. She would text me um, from a burner phone pretending to be her daughter. Wow. She would tell me that okay. she had like a million dollar settlement coming from a um, workman's comp claim. Uh, always, always like kind of teetering on this million dollar settlement, you know, like, and that's kind of how I ended up being the only provider. You know, I worked constantly. And she never worked because she was workman's comp, you know, right. claim or whatever. Um, yeah, so when they, she decides we're going to move to Arizona, just on a whim. <laughs> and we're going to sell everything we own, everything we own, and we're going to move to Arizona. And when she gets the million-dollar settlement, we're going to, you know, start a life out in Arizona. Okay. So we leave after selling everything. And she was subleasing um, a townhouse of her friends and Nicole had gone back to Chicago and creates a new lease um, for rental uh, for her, for Sarita. Um, Sarita ends up putting an ad on Craigslist and this family responds. It's a Hispanic family 
clearly um, undocumented, maybe, but very sweet people with a daughter, three okay. or four years old. They come, they pay cash, she charges them first months, last months, and then a deposit, a security deposit. And on our way out of town, she stops over at Nicole's bank, but doesn't deposit the money. I found out later. Okay. Um, she just pockets it. So that's a lot of cash in hand, right? Right. Um, Sarita long, very, very long story. That story would take me seven days to tell you straight <laughs> through. Um, it ends up, she's completely dangerous. She's a fugitive on the run. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm with her, you know, she's breaking into people's homes in Arizona where we lived and stealing their <laughs> medication and replacing it with Tylenol that she like shaves off with a Dremel and puts okay. the pills back. Yeah. I mean, it was like, so did Some you know really at the terrible. time she was breaking into houses? No. Okay. I, I found out after I had left Arizona, like those people were my friends, you know, and they would contact right. me, like kind of trickle in, like, oh my God, did you, she stole my credit card and she stole my pills and, you know. Wow. Um, we saw on the surveillance or whatever. And so um, I left her uh, pretty suddenly one night. She just wasn't acting right. Um it just we went from like so good to like so not good <laughs> overnight it felt like and so i just had this like intuition within me that i needed to get out i wasn't safe well surely that sure enough that night uh i wake up around three in the morning and i'm on the couch sitting up still the tv is blaring my contacts are still in like my shoes are still on like it's just so bizarre cause, right again like with my trauma past you know <laughs> I have a very hard time relaxing anywhere. Like, you will never, ever catch me taking a nap in front of anybody, even to this day with with Danny. Like, he can take a nap. Like, he trusts the whole environment around him. And I'm there, like, staring at the door. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm always watching my environment. Right. And so I just had this gut instinct. I just was like, this isn't right. Like, you know, I don't just fall asleep on the couch. And I don't watch TV, so the TV's blaring, you know, and just everything seemed real weird. I felt like I had a real bad headache. I had a drink in front of me on the coffee table that I had been sipping on before I remember anything else. And I feel very strongly like she might have put something in my drink. Okay. And <clears throat> so <clears throat> I left that morning. I packed up what I could and I left. And when I got back to Colorado, it kind of unfolded that she had abandoned her kids when they were little in a house that she got evicted from and just left the state. Wow. Yeah. And so the state, you know, it was, it was horrible. Yeah. That, that sounds terrible. I don't even know how you could abandon your kids, but <clears throat> I don't either. <laughs> and then pretend for, you know, that whole time, pretend like she has this wonderful relationship with them. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, um, <clears throat> directly after Sarita, I meet Vicky <laughs> and she is a woman that was very charismatic. You know, she had an online Facebook group with thousands of followers. You know, she had written a book. <coughs> oh, sorry. It's okay. And um, somebody had a mutual friend of mine and hers had introduced us on social media. So, she begins to call me, and I've just left this situation with Sarita, and 
that was like really like blowing my mind. I was getting so much information. It just was hard to believe. Right. So. <coughs> so sorry. It's okay. So, um, I'm really not into Vicky at this point in time. You know, I'm just kind of like, meh. She's in New Mexico. I'm here. She's like begging right. to come see me, and I'm like, oh, no, I don't think so. You know. Well, it takes her a few months. You know, of just constantly just trying to get in my good graces, you know, saying all the right things. And um, I cave one day and she says, I'm going to buy you a plane ticket and you're going to come out and visit me and we're just going to have a nice weekend and see how it goes. Well, that within the same week turned into, you know what, fuck it. Let's just move you here. Right. So again, this was the beginning of my complete mental breakdown up until this point. Um, I up and leave. I pack my truck. I had a Tahoe and I pack it up and I leave and I don't tell my family. I don't tell my friends. Nobody knows I'm gone. I just go. And the minute <laughs> I was in the same room with this woman, I knew it was going to be awful. Chaos. Chaos. She was wildly abusive. She was essentially my father's, like, body double. <laughs> like, no, I mean, in every right essence of, like, every be fiber in his being is every fiber in her being. Just full of hate, full of rage against women. Um, she constantly made mention of my weight, but in the worst ways. Like, it was just awful, you know, super abusive. So she was a terrible alcoholic and also drug addict. She went to prison. She's got a, um, she's a triple felon. Oh, wow. With a, you know, bodily harm. One of, robbery, robbery with bodily harm is one of them. Um, just terrible human being, honestly. Right. Like, and, you know, here I felt like, I'm just stuck. I need. I made this bed. I need to lie in it. You know, my family no longer talked to me. Um, I thought that it was because they were just angry that I left and didn't say anything, you know. But come to find out, they had befriended Sarita, the con artist, and my mom had housed her for about six months. Oh, wow. And so Sarita was telling them things like, because I was in the medical field, that I had somehow fabricated a... I put her on some sort of registry to that she was a drug seeker. And so every time she went to the hospital, they wouldn't give her any pain medicine because of me. Like I had some kind of pull there. Like right. <laughs> I had the power as a CNA to do that. Yeah. Somehow. <laughs> I was like, to put wow. Out, to put out national registries That's, to yeah. say, no, you can or can't have this. Yeah. <laughs> like that is news to me. But right. okay. But my family bought it. Right. Um, I remember one time my brother calls me and he's like, I don't even know who you are anymore. And I don't want to know you. Like, you sound like a terrible person. And I was like, what are you talking about? Right. You know? Um, so I had to find all that out later, you know? Um, so anyway, Vicky and I, various places we've moved, you know, we lived in Vegas and on the streets, homeless, you know, we lived, um, in Arizona, we lived in New Mexico, we lived here, and everywhere we moved, I mean everywhere, we would always, of course, have to live with somebody, Right. and 
a large portion of my friends, you know, like my friend Maddie took us in and she lives in Fountain and her and her husband were gracious enough to give us a, a space in her home. And Vicky was just a tyrant, a tyrant, you know, yeah. like she, she steamrolled them. And um, while we were living there, we were um, up in the mountains coming home and she had been, we had redone Maddie and Robbie's kitchen and they paid us in cash a few thousand dollars, you know. And Vicky had the all of it on her, and we decide we're going to go up to Central City. Well, Vicky's a gambling addict as well, so she goes up there, starts drinking for free, and blows almost every dime. So she's coming back, and I'm not really a gambler. I just kind of was sitting around waiting, you know. And I see her walking towards me, and she's mad. She's so mad. But I also see her handing people like hundred dollar bills, just kind of stumbling her way through the aisle. Here, good oh, luck. Wow. Here, good luck. Right. Handing out money. And she's in a blackout. She's total blackout. And we get in the truck. And I'm like, are you okay? You stole my money. Where'd you hide the money? Where'd you put the money? I'm like, Vicky, I don't have the money. You know, trying to like really kind of de-escalate this whole situation. We start down the mountain. And she proceeds to start punching me in the face. She kicked my sky roof out. She kicked <laughs> every knob off my dashboard, off my stereo kicked the steering wheel while I'm driving Jeez. I ended up having to pull over um, I didn't pull over I pull, I stopped in the middle of traffic actually I just <laughs> stopped turned the car off and I was like get out just get out of the car and she lost her fucking mind yeah. I mean she really beat the hell out of me so I don't know how but I got us home and Maddie was like do you want me to ask her to leave and of course, I'm I'm terrified. I'm like, no, right? No, don't ask her. And I'm like, no. Um, so yeah, everywhere we went, we had to leave abruptly because she's just so disruptive to the household. Right. Um, and we ended up separating for a year, and because we were living in Canyon City in the mountains, and we were only in an RV. You know, like homeless, homeless. Right. We found a gutted RV. It had nothing. And so she was a carpenter. And we built sort of a tiny house out of it. Okay. Like we we put plumbing in. And, right. you know, we had a little shower and a bathroom and a kitchenette and whatever in a bedroom. So I was working for a hospice that day, seeing patients down in town. And I get a call from my friend who owns the campground there. And she's like, you need to come back here right now because Vicky is... I don't know what's wrong with her. Like she's drinking or something and she threatened your 96 year old neighbor next door that oh, wow. he's locked himself in his RV. <laughs> like, it was, <sighs> Oh my God, it was awful. So I get there and Vicky is just like, she has taken all my stuff, all my clothing and thrown it out into the dirt. Um, she's lying in vomit. Like it, it was just awful, awful. And she's telling me that she wants me to leave, she wants to divorce, da, da, da. and finally I was just like, fine. So I pick up what I can and I call 911 and say, I need an ambulance, you know, right. she's not well. And I said, she is a violent drinker, you know, and she's been drinking, so maybe send a cop or two, right. just in case. So they end up, she ends up getting kind of violent towards me. Like, she, she raises up out of the bed like she's going to go after me, and they ended up having to handcuff her, and they took her to the hospital, and by then I had already left. Right. 
And she calls me several hours later. Where are you? You know, like so out of it, like had no idea what just happened. And I was like, well, you know what? I'm not coming back, you know? And so I was gone for a year. I was, you know, doing pretty well. And I don't know what happened, but I ended up going back to her. And after that, it just got so bad. We had a nice little apartment downtown. Um, one day she decides that she wants to get Coke, right? So we go on this, this hunt for Coke. And of course, I'm still to this point, I haven't had any therapy. I don't have any coping skills. Right. My coping skill is definitely substance abuse, you know, at this point. And so we're once in any anybody that has an addiction issue can probably relate to this. Like once you get it in your head, that's pretty much all you're going to think about until you get your shit. Right. That's it. And we could, we were having a hard time finding it. So then I hear from a friend of mine that he has methamphetamine and we take him up on it and we end up finding out that he's homeless. And so Vicky and him hit off this bromance, you know, when Vicky's like, just move in here. And I was like, oh my God. Right. Oh my God. It's like an endless supply of drugs at this point. This kid always has it on him. Vicky's always hitting him up for it. I won't charge your rent if you could just keep it coming. Right. Kind of, you know, and we, <laughs> we went downhill very, very quickly after this ball began to roll. I, um, I began losing, I lost my job. I lost my car. Like, real, like, well, all at once. <laughs> so I'm working at the, my favorite job ever. I loved that job. It was the highest paying job I've ever had. I just loved what I did. So that's ripped from me. And then about a month later, they come and repossess my new car. After that, we get an eviction notice, <laughs> right? So um, Vicky and I, we're, we're, we're like, what the fuck are we going to do? Well, let's move to Arizona, <laughs> she says, because her, her mother lives there, you know, and right. we just... We were out of options, so. <laughs> the day we were supposed to move, we had loaded up a lot of the stuff in her car. Everything was fine. Everything was fine that morning, right? And I get in the shower, and then I come out of the shower. I continue to kind of, like, migrate all the stuff to the front, you know. I, I thought she went and took the dog for a walk, probably. She had left. And I really didn't think much of it. And I just sat in this little camping chair in my living room and stared at all of our stuff and played games on my phone and just waited. You know, and then it started to kind of get dark. And the landlord was coming to the door like, you need to be out and we need your keys. You know, and I was like, shit. Well, I call Vicky and her phone's shut off. I'm calling her. I'm like, what the fuck? And then I call a mutual friend of ours, Tiffany. And she says, you know, they called me Allie. She goes, you know, Allie, she's not coming back. And I go, well, from where? What do you mean? Right. She's not coming back. You know, I was so disoriented. And like I said, everything was fine. We were getting along. We had a plan. Like, I don't know what. <laughs> and um, so yeah, I'm, I'm faced with all this stuff. I don't have a vehicle. I have nowhere to go. And I called you. <laughs> you did. <clears throat> so I called you. 
uh, hysterical, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> uh, and you did come to the rescue, man. Thank God. Because I just... Well, that was once. <laughs> I was very, yeah. <laughs> that was one of several so, coming up, yeah. So you got out of there, obviously. <clears throat> so we got out of there. You And then what happened? Took my stuff <laughs> and, yeah. So <laughs> it's kind of a blur. So if I do miss any detail, you can let me know. But uh, so... I was still hitting the drugs. I mean, even more, probably harder than ever. And now it's been about, at this point in time, what we a good year under our belt of everyday use of this substance. Right. And I had lost a ton of weight, and people were concerned. You know, they were like, "Are well, you okay?" Some were concerned. Yeah. Right. Some. Yeah. Some didn't know, and some were paying you compliments online. And yeah, yeah. Some were like, "You look great," and they're like, "Good for you." Yeah. People that knew better. There were a handful of people, but you were and the it, first. And it. <laughs> and let's be honest. It it fed your ego. Oh when my you got god. The compliments. Well, of course it did, because here <laughs> I've been in this relationship with Vicky this whole time, and and every day on multiple occasions. I mean, literally every day, I had to hear about how fat I was and. How disgusting I was and how repulsive I was to her and, you know, fat, fat, fat. And so, of course, like, I, you know, I'm looking uh, like I've lost weight, you know, I'm wearing better clothing, like I'm fixing my hair, my makeup, like, you know, and of course, posting pictures to social media, like, what do you guys think, you know, and right. oh, you look great. Well, they don't know that I'm fucking dying right. inside, you know, you know, and, uh, like three other people, like, but they didn't really follow up. Like right. you did, you know, like they were just like, you're a shit show. Um, and luckily I do have a friend like that was steadfast <laughs> and could give me the honest truth like you do. So, um, so when she left, what did you do after that? So she left. If you remember. <laughs> Where did I go? Did I go to my mom's? You stayed with your mom for a while, yes. Oh. But you, you told everyone that you were going out yes. to Vegas. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> All right, so I went and stayed with my mom, and I was only there for, like, oh, a week or maybe a week and a half. Miserable, of course. I just was constantly, my brain was just constantly going with, how can I get out of this? How can I get back to Vicky? How can I do this? I need to get back to my wife, you know? And um, so I made up this big story because Vicky had said she was buying me a ticket, a Greyhound bus ticket, wasn't it? I went by Greyhound the first yeah. time back to Albuquerque. Yeah. Um, I needed to go to the bus station because then I was going to fly out of Albuquerque, right? No, you said you had a friend out in Vegas. Vegas, I said. a oh, job. Yeah. That's right. And I you were taking a Greyhound out to Vegas. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay. So I tell this big elaborate story. And I'm never going to Vegas. I'm not going to Vegas. I'm going to Albuquerque, um, New Mexico to meet Vicky. But I have to tell everybody that I'm not because she left me in the airport. Like, she did the unthinkable. Why would I do that? I didn't know why I was doing that. I just knew that I had to do it. Some stupid reason. <laughs> well, because I was on drugs. That's Let's be honest with that. So I go back, and immediately it's terrible, right? <laughs> like, this is a mistake, clearly. So we're bumming around we're homeless living in her car living in her car at this point and we make our way to Arizona right and we're there about 
I don't know, a couple of weeks, maybe a month, I guess, tops. And again, we get kicked out of where we're staying because she's drunk and making a scene. And we don't, we're, we're fighting, const, constant fighting, you know, like we're just in all this stressful situation going from motel to motel and, you know, um, when, when we were able, like her mom would throw us some money once in a while, like go get a room and get showered, you know, like God. Right. So we're in this uh, motel room one day and I'm terrified, you know, like the inner child in me comes out and I'm just like shaking and I'm start, starting to cry. And I said, you know, aren't you scared? Like, I'm so scared right now. I said, I'm so terrified. I just wish that we would stop fighting and I wish you would hug me more like and just sit, sit by me and hug me and tell me everything's going to be okay. We're going to do it, you know. And she sits next to me and, like, pulls my face into her shoulder. She's like, you want a hug? You want a hug? God damn it. And she's just beating the shit out of my face into her shoulder. And I'm like, whoa. Well, she had been drinking. I didn't know because um, right. it was pretty early in the morning. Um, but I had no idea that she had been drinking yet. And so this continues, and she just beats the fuck out of me. Like, my chin is black. My nose is cracked. I have a concussion. Like, it's terrible, right? So we get on the road, and um, I'm I'm driving. I get in the driver's seat because before that, on, on our travels to Arizona from New Mexico, she had left me a few times at the roadside, okay? Just up and left me. Like, we'd be right. at a gas station, and I'd come out, and she'd be gone. And for an hour, I would sit on the curb and just cry and hysterical. Like, I just didn't know what to do. And then she'd circle back and come get me. Like, it was a big old game, you know. Mm-hmm. So I got in the driver's seat, and I go, I'll, I'm driving. I'm not getting out of this driver's seat because you'll leave me. And I'm not, that I don't deserve that, you know. Right. She's like, okay, fine. So she crawls into the back seat, you know, and I've got the dog is up front. And she's behind me just trashing me just you're such a piece of shit you're this you're that calling me every name she said um why don't you kill yourself she said and i said okay i think i will and i hit the gas and that's all i remember really i just was flying down the highway over 100 miles an hour just (laughs) and high out of my mind and she said why don't you kill yourself i said i think i will she stands up reaches over me, grabs the steering wheel to control it, because I'm just like, I'm gone. Right. She shuts the car off on the highway and guides it to the shoulder, you know, and she does say, she's apologetic, you know, like, I shouldn't, I don't know when to stop. Like, I know I put your, push your buttons, and I'm sorry about that. You know, we have this big heart to heart, and I'm crying, and I'm like, I'm just really, I'm so done with this whole lifestyle. Like, what the fuck is it going to take? So, She's showing me a lot of mercy and kindness, you know, and she's like, okay, it's okay, Allie, you know, just get in the passenger seat. It's going to be okay, and I'm going to drive us to the next gas station. We're just going to call it a day, right? and we'll sleep there tonight. So we do, but it's not a gas station. It's just a truck stop in Winslow, Arizona. And I go, um, she shuts the car off, and she goes, do you need to go to the bathroom or anything? And I go, I, I want um, the car keys. So I can go to the bathroom. I'm going to take the car keys with me. She goes, oh, stop. I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm not going to leave you. We're going to get in this. We're going to get out of this together. We'll get to Albuquerque, and then we'll go our separate ways from there. But I'm not going to leave you here. Don't worry. Right. 
<laughs> so reluctantly, I get out of the car, and I almost just walk backwards the whole time and stare at her. And she got out of the car with Dharma, the dog, and appears to be sitting on a picnic table just chatting with this other man over there, you know? Right. I'm like, okay, phew. <clears throat> I run in as quickly as I can. I use the bathroom. I run back out, and she is gone and Shocking. gone. <laughs> and there is a pile on the cement with one blanket that wasn't mine, a notebook that was hers, full of all her passwords, by the way. <laughs> uh, she left that. And then a bag with, like, one tomato and one orange in it or something. Uh. She took my wallet. She took everything. She took my contacts and glasses. She took all my clothing. I had nothing. My phone was almost dead. I'm in the middle of the desert. It's it's now nightfall. And I don't know what the fuck to do, dude. I just was like, what do I, what do, I do with this situation? So anyway, victim's advocate was called. They come get me an hour away. They take me to a motel, put me up for the night. I somehow have, like, the most amazing friends. When I need them, they are always there. <laughs> like, you, my friend Ellie, funded a plane ticket from Phoenix to Denver, and it was, I know it was over $1,200. And then I had to pay $300 for an Uber ride from Winslow to Phoenix. Come home, and, and not two weeks later, I'm on a plane going back, going back. I'm not even kidding you. I went back another time, the final time. By plane, I went to <laughs> Albuquerque and... There we ended up um, really just snowballing out of control. We were we were doing crack. We were doing meth. We were doing blues. We were doing everything we could possibly do to kill ourselves. I mean, we never said that, but I mean, right. <laughs> we were on a real fast track. And I'm in Albuquerque, and I don't know if anybody's been to Albuquerque, but it's a, they call it the war zone <laughs> where we were, and rightfully so. So... Yeah. <clears throat> and I, so what, and made, what made you finally leave? Like, for good? Um, <laughs> so, she and I decided to come back to Colorado. We were up in another extended stay motel. And she got blackout drunk one night. I was sleeping. We had a kitten at this point when we found it in Albuquerque. Um, Lily and I adore her. I'm so glad I have that her. you still have. <laughs> I still have her, <laughs> thankfully. Uh, Vicky cut my hair off. My hair was out, down to my hips, and she cut it off while I was sleeping. I have no idea what she did with the hair because it was nowhere I, I looked for it. <laughs> I can't believe that much hair was missing. Um, took, again, all my things and left. Went to Albuquerque. She went to uh, our friend Sarah's house in Albuquerque, and Sarah ended up um, dead. And there's an open investigation currently because they think that Vicky was involved. Uh, Vicky's calling it a suicide. Yeah, we won't talk about that too much. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's I don't think it is a suicide. <laughs> but she um, she did not take Lily, the kitty. Um, and for that, I am so grateful. And so after that, you were just done. After that, I hit the floor running. For some reason, the switch flipped in me. It was like I was in a cult for four years, kind of. Right. Like, just totally brainwashed. But then suddenly, I don't know what happened. My, I'm, I'm staying with Gail. Um, thankfully, she was so generous to open her home. 
And I'm like, I need to go to the courthouse tomorrow. Like, within the first week, I was at the courthouse filing for divorce, filing for a restraining order. I've got a permanent protection order now. Right. Like, I was not playing around. And occasionally I'll get an email from her that says some ridiculous thing and, and, and you know, I turn it in and right and move on. Like, the gone are the days that I'm like, oh, I wish I could hang out with Vicky. But, you know, when... So, anyway... And now you're on a healthier note. Now yeah. you're off, I off am, drugs, right? I am, and I'm in therapy. You're in therapy, uh, and all this has well, led you to someone who the makes best. you better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's the bee's knees. Um, uh, yeah, it's a man, and we'll be getting married in um April. I almost said August. <laughs> they both start with A. It's April. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, and he's amazing, and he and I have history, so we've so, known each other for like twenty three years. So, because I know he's patient with you, with very, a lot. Very. So, does any part of it scare you that it's so different from what you're used to? Uh yeah, it did. It did in the beginning, um, and like you said, he is super patient with me because um, I have my little moments, you know, where I'm right. just like, I don't know what to do with this. Like, it's. 100% normal, 100% peaceful, um, respectful, kind, like everything that anybody could imagine or ever want in a relationship. That's what I have. And so, of course, there there are moments moments where I'm just like, uh, so when does the chaos start? Do like, you, when does that shoe drop? Do you feel like, <laughs> do you feel like when you're thinking that you almost want to sabotage it? Like, it's too good, so I'm going to blow it up before it goes bad? No, Good. ironically. Good. I know, like in my past. <laughs> I'm just making sure. In so. my past, I definitely would be like um, spinning my wheels. Like, how do I get out of this? Right. But he's so amazing, Neil. Like, he's just, he's like a diamond in the rough. I don't know. He's just real soft-spoken. He's super kind, you know, super respectful, like hard worker. He's just an all-around good guy. You know, and he knows my whole story. And, you know, anytime I, I say or do anything that I'm just, like, apologetic all the time, you know, like, I'm so <laughs> right. sorry. I'm so. And he's like, it's okay. Like, he does things to make me feel better about it all. Like, that's cool. You know, <laughs> like, I'm like, that's not cool. What? He's like, no, that's cool. Like, everything's okay. You're human. <laughs> so the moral of it all is it gets better, right? It does. But it's not. It takes work. It does. You have right. to, like, be prepared for that. <laughs> getting better because let me tell you like I had every opportunity to get better oh, you know and up until this point like I really had to hit the bottom bottom and maybe even go below that right to go oh my god you know right. um but once I started to like dig my heels into some healing and some work on myself and like really focus on me that's when things started to kind of like trickle in the good stuff you know right Danny and you know like just Everything started to fall back into place. Like, I got my job, and I get, you know, right. things are working out again, and I feel human, and like I want to thrive. So, I know one thing that you carried with you was a love of dumpster diving. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Listen. So if you if you've never done it, go ahead and explain yeah. what it is. To Hear people. me out. I know you're gonna think that's gross the way it sounds, but it's not. I'm talking retail stores like Bed Bath and Yonder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't let's not say names. <laughs> yeah, because I, I don't mean, know how that works. <laughs> just Yonder. 
Um, things in those dumpsters, uh, I will tell you, are brand new. They have tags on them, and they're working. They're in working order. Like it's just ridiculous how much we consume in the way of product in this country, and that goes straight to the landfill. So there are there's a community of dumpster drivers now. Like it's become a thing. It's it's gaining popularity, you know, and so it makes me happy that people pull things out and save it from the landfill temporarily, you know. So I know, and we're not going to go into the whole story because you <laughs> sent me so many messages on it, but I know at one Are point you, you found clubs? some golf clubs <laughs> that you were so excited about if you want to share what they were because yes. I swear you texted me for... <laughs> Three hours sending was, me articles and maps. I was so and- <laughs> stoked. It's because I, I did so much research that night because I tied it all. Okay. So I was on this app called Freebies, and on it, um, this little notification pops up. It says, free, King Cobra, left-handed golf cub, clubs, custom made. Right? I hit him up right away. I see it as it comes in. He's like, you're the first to respond. So, yeah, here's my address. Lives in Larkspur. And just come. my only request is that you come up all the way up to the drive. Uh, all the way up the driveway to the door and I get there and it's a mansion like it is just a spread and I'm I'm driving like this little hoopty you know Honda Civic that's like all the way up I'm like okay so I get out and he's like kind of posed by the golf clubs and the golf clubs are like almost as tall as me they're so big and I am nervous and he's not saying really anything you know and I said um are you left-handed because I am, you know, and I was just trying to break the ice. Kind right. of like, I'm, I'm like, are you left-handed? Are these your clubs? And he goes, no, they're my dad's. They're my dad. And that's all he said. And I was like, okay, that's weird. Oh, anyway, I get him in the car, get him home. And that night I'm like, what? And something weird just didn't set right with the interaction. <laughs> and I was like, well, who's his dad? So I look at the golf clubs, you know, and on it has an embroidered, you know, nameplate. And then all his his golf tournament tags, you know, right. whatever, PGA or whatever. And it ends up being, um, you don't remember John Hinckley, John Hinckley Jr. Yeah. I, I was, the name wasn't coming to my mind. <laughs> God, I can't believe it. I said it so many times. I know John Hinckley Jr.'s father's golf clubs, who he used to be an oil tycoon in Colorado, like kind of a big deal money wise. And then, uh, you know, John Hinckley, of course, is the guy who tried to assassinate the president over Jodie Foster. (laughs) President Reagan. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. He was, like, obsessed with Jodie Foster. But anyway, I did a lot of research just so I had all my ducks in a row. Like, I was really not just making it all up because it seemed pretty out there. And then I was like, no. So I found pictures of his dad golfing with those clubs. It was pretty cool. But he was just so weird. But he had just been released from his, what, he he did, like, 30-year sentence in a psych facility. Well, that same year, he had just been released to his own time full-time. So I was like, it's him. I know it's him. Right. (laughs) And I pull up pictures of his current picture. It was him. Oh, man. Anyway, I sold those golf clubs for, like, a lot of money. (laughs) I can imagine. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll go ahead and start to wrap things up. What's, uh, What's your best dad joke? Oh, my God. Do you have one? No. No, you don't have any jokes? No. Oh, man. I, I, I mean, you put me on the spot now. I know. I'm sure I have a lot of them. <laughs> I could probably, like, comment under those podcasts. When... You'll have to you'll have to send me <laughs> one, and then I'll, I'll say it on one of my other episodes. 
Yeah, yeah, I'll send you. Yeah, I know a few, but now I'm like. You're like, oh, geez. It's like when somebody's like, sing me something. I know you're a singer. Right. And I'm like, I don't, I don't sing. I'm not you're like, yeah, no, not on, not on cue. I what are you talking about? I'm not a professional. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. thank you for sharing your story. Thank you it for It is very me. much appreciated. Yeah. It does so, get better. It does. You're right. Um, so with that, you can find me on all the socials. I didn't say that on my last episode. So it's Sticko Podcast, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, S-T-I-C-O Podcast. And hopefully we all have a little more in common now. And until next time, be safe and don't be a stranger.